From Greenville, South Carolina, we present... Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, preaching Christ in all His fullness. Once again, we count it a privilege to welcome you to another broadcast of Let the Bible Speak, presenting a series of studies on the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. Messages preached by Dr. Alan Cairns, founder of Let the Bible Speak Radio Ministries. We'll hear from Dr. Cairns in just a few minutes. First, we invite you to enjoy this devotional thought taken from the pen of the great 19th century English preacher C.H. Spurgeon and found in his collection called Faith's Checkbook. Our devotional for today is entitled, Prayer for Peace. The text is Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 7. And seek the peace of the city, whither I have caused you to be carried away captives, and pray unto the Lord for it. For in the peace thereof shall ye have peace. The principle involved in this text would suggest to all of us who are the Lord's strangers and foreigners that we should be desirous to promote the peace and prosperity of the people among whom we dwell. Specially should our nation and our city be blessed by our constant intercession. An earnest prayer for your country and other countries is well becoming in the mouth of every believer. Eagerly let us pray for the great boon of peace, both at home and abroad. If strife should cause bloodshed in our streets— or if foreign battle should slay our brave soldiers, we should all bewail the calamity. Let us therefore pray for peace, and diligently promote those principles by which the classes at home and the races abroad may be bound together in bonds of amity. We ourselves are promised quiet in connection with the peace of the nation, and this is most desirable. For thus we can bring up our families in the fear of the Lord, and also preach the gospel without let or hindrance. Today let us be much in prayer for our country, confessing national sins, and asking for national pardon and blessing. For Jesus' sake.
In these troublesome times for our nation, many people are looking to the government or to social action for a solution. But the only real answer to the human predicament is a true spiritual revival. Many Christians have no idea of what constitutes revival in the scriptural sense. Certainly the greatest revival in the history of the Christian church took place on the day of Pentecost. Down through the centuries there have been remarkable visitations of God during which thousands were gloriously saved. Times such as the Protestant Reformation, the revivals in England under John Wesley and George Whitfield, the Great Awakening in America associated with Jonathan Edwards were times of genuine spiritual revival. The common factor in all of these events was an undeniable demonstration of the power of God rather than the ingenuity of man. In the early 1950s, such a revival occurred on the Isle of Lewis, one of the Hebrides off the west coast of Scotland. In the course of several years, hundreds of people were converted to Christ, and many churches were built to take care of them. Again, the Holy Spirit of God came down in power. The preacher during those days was the Reverend Duncan Campbell. Yet what took place on Lewis was not due to his pulpit skills, but to the overwhelming moving of God among the people. Strong men, hardened sinners who mocked the preacher, were suddenly struck to their knees by the roadside under conviction of sin. Young people in a local dance hall left their frivolity and ran to the churches, crying for mercy upon their souls. Let the Bible Speak is pleased to make available CD copies of both Duncan Campbell's account of what happened during those revival times on Lewis, as well as a CD containing personal testimonies of people who came to salvation in Jesus Christ during those revival times. The CDs are available to you free of charge, simply by requesting your copies. You may write us at LTBS 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's LTBS 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. You may email us at info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. Or you may telephone us at 864-244-2408. That's 864-244-2408. Just request your copies of the CDs of the Revival on the Isle of Lewis. You will be blessed greatly as you listen to these accounts of the power of God at work.
As he continues his series on the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, Dr. Cairns is dealing with the filling of the Spirit. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, the Apostle Paul wrote, And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. The text reveals a comparison and a contrast. Whereas alcohol depresses a person, the fullness of the Holy Spirit lifts one to joy and real happiness. At the same time, we'll see that as the drunkard is completely controlled by the alcohol, the Spirit-filled believer will manifest the Spirit's control in every area of his life. Today, Dr. Cairns explains the key to the full Christian life. This involves acceptance of and obedience to the Spirit's control. Now Dr. Cairns will bring the next portion of this message, the filling of the Spirit. What ought to control the believer is not his circumstances. It's not even his own temperament. One of the most vicious heresies that is now being pushed in evangelical churches is this psychological nonsense that you figure out your personality and you don't feel guilty for it. So that if you are naturally a person who is quick to anger, well, that's how an angry person reacts to this situation. Don't feel guilty about that. Just channel it into positive and constructive channels. I'm sure you've heard that. You put on your radio any day of the week and you'll hear some idiot talking like that. And he is an idiot. Because the believer is supposed to be under the control, not of circumstances, not of some characteristics that he can identify within him. He is supposed to be under the control of the Spirit of God. And the Holy Spirit of God is the same person, whether he's controlling you or controlling me. Now, he'll use you in a different way. He'll use your characteristics in his own peculiar way. But nonetheless, you should be under his control. How a Christian acts. I've often said that actually the biggest trouble with Christians is not how they act. In most cases. But their trouble comes in in how they react. I have to confess that that is the far more difficult thing. Normally a man that is going on with God will act in a godly fashion. You'll not find him getting drunk or getting high on drugs or something like that. No, no. The man that's walking with God will normally act right. But that same man can be put in a situation and uh, whether it's in the business or in the home or in the church and in a flash he will react to somebody else's action in a way that is destructive of his testimony. This is where it comes into being under the control of the Spirit of God. See, no part of our being should be free from that overwhelming and governing influence. How a Christian talks, what he says, to whom he says it, the manner in which he says it, 
how a Christian walks in this world. My, I get grieved when Christians talk about Christian liberty in such a way as to mean that, well, I'm a Christian and therefore I want to do everything that I can possibly get away with. Instead of looking for that governing, guiding influence of the Spirit of God, so that how he walks is under the governance of the Spirit, how he thinks. Here we come in to what is for many people, I suppose in some way for every person, the deepest and most difficult part of life. How you think? I have had more people come with that question, how can I think right? How can I get a grip on my thoughts? How can I get a victory in my thoughts? Some people are pestered with thoughts of pollution. Others are pestered with thoughts of self-pity. Others are pestered with thoughts of evil imaginings against their brethren. You can go on and on. You'll be able to see your own patterns of thought and you'll wonder, how can I get the victory there? And I want to tell you, there are no neat little psychological rules that will do any good to you. The answer is, be filled with the Spirit. Under the control of the Spirit of God. Now, this is continual fullness. This is not just an experience. It's not just a decision. It's a continual fullness. There's a beautiful statement in Acts 7 and 55 about Stephen being full of the Holy Ghost. Being full. The word being is an interesting one. It's not just a part of the verb to be. It is a word that has the idea of existing in a constant state or condition. Luke eleven thirteen. If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children. Luke 16, when the Lord Jesus spoke in verse 23 of the rich man in hell, he says, being in torments. It is the idea of an ongoing, continuing uh, state or condition. Now, we read of Stephen, he was being full. He was continually full. This was his condition of life. You know, that is what Paul is talking about. That's the ideal for the Christian. That's what the Holy Spirit of God can do and will do in you. And it answers a lot of questions. Victory over this, victory over that, ability to do this, ability to do that. My, it all comes down to this. There are so many Christians and they're looking for an experience that the Holy Ghost will come in in a certain way. And I'll have more to say about that the next week. There is such a thing as a mighty experience of the Spirit overwhelming the believer with power. Yes, there is. But first, instead of looking for an experience, we ought to be under the control of the Spirit of God. Now, let me sum it up. This is a full Christian life. 
And if I know anything, I know that in this congregation there will be people and they'll be saying, I'm saved, but I'm not having that. I don't have that. And this is not for the elite. This is not for the super spiritual. This is basic Christianity. What is this full Christian life? It's a life in which first there is an acceptance of the Spirit's control. We are not unthinking beings. When it says be filled, there is the idea of an acceptance of the control of the Spirit. A man who goes out to take booze, he takes it. Uh, yes, he is overcome and he's brought under the influence. But nonetheless, there is this positive acceptance of the control of that old booze. So with the believer, if he's going to be under the control of the Spirit, there is an acceptance of the Spirit's control. There is a laying down and surrender of the heart and the mind and the will. There is a giving over to our God. There is a saying of this Lord, I want no more rebellion. I want no more selfish living. I'm not interested anymore in making a plaything of God or a convenience of God. That I want the Spirit under given circumstances, but I want the flesh under other circumstances. Ah, no. Here there is an acceptance of the control of the Spirit. Paul says in Ephesians 4 and 30, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of promise. Grieve Him not. In 1 Thessalonians 5.19, he says, Quench not the Spirit. Here are verses which are tying into this idea of the believer with an open heart of fullness and gladness saying, Lord, I accept the complete dominion of the Holy Ghost. There are an awful lot of Christians want God's best, but they want it while they're living for the flesh and living for the world. And you can't have it. An awful lot of Christians, and they want to straddle the line between spirituality and carnality, between service of God and service of sin. And man, it can't be. Can't be. We're plagued today with so called Christians that are miserable in their so called Christianity. And they're trying to find whatever they can find in the world. Man, I very much doubt that there's any saving virtue in that experience at all. What we need is men truly regenerated by the Spirit, whose hearts yearn for the Spirit's control. There's an acceptance of it. Then there's an obedience to the Spirit's control. If you're under the control, if you're filled with the Spirit, there is an obedience to that control. You have wonderful examples of this in the New Testament Scriptures. You remember Philip in Acts chapter 8, if you look at verses 26 and 27. The Lord appeared to Philip and he told him to leave a revival and go down to meet the Ethiopian eunuch. And Philip arose and went. That's obedience. Unquestioning obedience. You remember Peter? In Acts chapter 11, verse 12, he gives his story of how he went to the household of Cornelius. 
the angel of the Lord stood by him and said, Peter, these men are coming for you. Go with them. Peter arose and he wept. You have an outstanding example in Paul himself. In Acts 16, verses 7 to 10, Paul tried, he asked, said to go into Bithynia. But the Spirit suffered him not. What did he do? Just say, well, I'm going anyway? No, no. Here's a man who was sensitive to the leading of the Spirit of God. I'm not talking now about somebody who is uh, living the life of a mystic, who is uh, sitting in a corner with his spiritual antennas out and he's getting funny vibrations. That's not what Paul, Paul doing the will of God as said to go into Bithynia and God stopped him and Paul stopped dead then the Lord gave him the vision of the man from Macedonia there's a lovely statement Luke says that we went into Macedonia assuredly gathering assuredly gathering what? That the Lord was sending them there. So they followed. Obedience to the Spirit's control. And obedience is always the mark of the Holy Ghost control in a man's life. If you look at 1 John 4 and 6, you'll find here's how you know the Spirit of truth, that you obey the Word of God. You obey it. Now let's bring this home to our hearts today. Are there not people here this morning? You say you're saved. But you say, I'm not enjoying my Christianity the way I ought. There's a, an emptiness, there's a deadness, there's a frustration. My, there's a misery even. Here's the reason. I'm living disobedience to God. You know, if you're saved, I have news for you. If you're really saved, you're not like that ungodly man who can go out and find his pleasure in the world. What will be sweet in his mouth will be bitterness in yours. If you're saved, you're spoiled for the, the filth of this world. You're spoiled for it. And you'll always stay in misery until you know obedience to the control of the Spirit of God through His Word. listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America. We hope you've enjoyed and benefited from today's program. We're here as your servants for Christ's sake. If we can be of any further help to you in the things of the Lord, we invite you to contact us. Our mailing address is Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. 
That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. If you wish, you may call us at 1-864-244-2408. That's 1-864-244-2408. Our email address is info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. If you would like to learn more about the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, we invite you to visit our website, www.fpcna.org. That's www.fpcna.org. This is Charles Kelch saying thank you for listening and inviting you to join us again as we Let the Bible Speak. (music) 